Brentwood Zai Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we've turned the page to a new year, many are wondering what will come next and how to navigate it when it does. We invite you to tune into our series, What Now? How Tomorrow Shapes Today, as we explore the words of Jesus in Matthew 24 and 25. Together, we'll learn to look toward the future because what we believe about tomorrow defines the way we'll spend today. Let's discover God's answer to the question on everyone's mind. What now? Good morning. My name is Abraham Phillip, and it's a delight and a pleasure to be here this morning with you. Pastor Billy is out in the Algonac campus doing his hub pastor duties, and uh, keep the Algonac campus in prayer. They started off very, very small, and God has just really blessed them, and they're growing, and, and God is doing a work there. So keep them in prayer, and uh, certainly keep Pastor Billy in prayer. Pastor Billy, if you're watching, happy birthday to you. I, I understand that you had a birthday, so happy birthday to you, my friend. <clears throat> and if I missed anybody else's birthday, happy birthday to all of you as well. Um, I just don't know it, so we'll just make a blanket statement. Thank you. <clears throat> Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat because you realized that whatever dream you had, you weren't ready for it? Anybody? <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, and I kid you not, a couple of weeks ago, I sat up straight in my bed in a cold sweat <clears throat> because I saw myself and my wife walking into the Troy campus for the 10 o'clock service. And People are looking at us strange, and we didn't know why, and so we went, and we sat in our seat. You know, we all have our seat, right? We, so we sat in our seat, and no sooner did we sit down than Pastor Chris storms up to me and said, where have you been? What do you mean, where have I been? It's your turn to preach. <gasps> he shoves the notes in my hand, you know, the same notes that you have, and said, get up and preach, and next thing I know, I see myself on stage with these little three points, and I look out at the crowd and I go, I'm not ready. And I shot up in bed. I was terrified. You ever been there? That, I'm like, you're not ready. And that scared the liver out of you. <laughs> that was me that day. That's a scary time. Scary time for sure. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 25. We've been in a series uh, called the, um, well, called What Now? How tomorrow shapes how we live today. And we've been uh, listening to Jesus tell his disciples that the temple and Jerusalem will be destroyed. And they, as far as they were concerned, the destruction of the temple was really the end of the world. And Jesus slowly unpacks for them that those two are not the same event. That there's a gap between the destruction of Jerusalem and the ultimate end of everything. And he's been explaining to them the events that would occur in and around the time that the temple would be destroyed. And we've seen how in chapter 24, how all those things did occur in AD 70 with the destruction of of the temple and with Jerusalem, but, but we also learned that as with all prophecy or with most prophecy, there's both a now and not yet component. That all of those things that Jesus talked about did occur in AD 70. It did happen. But there's also the case that there's a not yet component, that all of those things are ultimately going to be happening one day in the future, and that's going to culminate in the visible bodily return of Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay, that's a great place for an amen. <laughs> Let's try that again. The visible bodily return of Jesus. Amen? amen. <clears throat> Folks, we're going to be talking about being ready. <laughs> so if you need to say an amen, please do. You're not going to offend me. In fact, you'll encourage me, all right? So if Billy doesn't like you to say amen, let me just turn the script. I do. All right? Amen. I'm sorry, Billy. Thank you. 
Um, um, and so ultimately that day is coming. But what we've also seen is that since AD 70, we've in, been in this cycle, cyclical pattern where wars and rumors of wars, famines and earthquakes and pandemics have kind of happened, right? They've, they've happened generation after generation after generation, and all of this will one day culminate at the end of time. And so we've been looking at that, and, and last week we looked at two stories at the end of chapter 24 that talked about being ready. That as these disciples recognized that there was a delay between the, the, the time Jesus ascended to heaven and the time that Jesus came back again, there was going to be a delay. And so what do you do when there's a delay? You stay ready. You keep watch. And that's what we looked at last week. This week, as we start chapter 25, we're going to see three more stories. We're going to look at the first of three stories that are going to continue to unpack and explain for us a little bit more about what it looks like to be ready and to stay watchful. So Matthew chapter 25, I hope you found it. I can't wait really any longer. But as we, as we look at this story, a story very familiar to you, what I want to leave with you is this idea that true disciples make provisions to go the distance. True disciples make provisions to go the distance. What I'd like to do this morning is to just read the story. And as I read the story, I'm, I'm going to make some comments as we go. And at the end, we will just pull out some applications for us. All right? Does that make sense? So here we are, Matthew chapter 24. Sorry, chapter 25, verse number 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. Let me pause there and say, weddings are a big deal, right? They're a big deal here. They're a big deal everywhere. Just, just turn the TV on and watch Bridezilla. For some people, it's really a big deal. It's got to be perfect. But first century was no different. Weddings were a big deal. It was a community affair. We don't know everything that went on. Uh, in a first century wedding. Well, we know some bits. While the, you know, today's wedding really sur- you know, surrounds the bride and the entrance of the bride and what the bride is wearing, first century weddings were really focused around the groom. The groom was starting a household. And so in order to do that, he would build a house. And when he was done building the house, he and his friends would walk from his house through the village streets toward the house of the bride. And along the way, he would meet up with these bridesmaids that the story here calls virgins. And he would meet with them and they would escort him to the house of the bride where they would do their ceremony. And then they would go from there. They would walk back through the streets with all the music and everything else and they would go back to the house of the groom where they would have the wedding festivities, a celebration, and all the food and everything else. That's in general. But guess what? Jesus doesn't give us any of that. You know why? Because none of it's important. What's important is the things he talks about in the story. There's a groom who's coming, and in order to be ready for the groom, there are ten virgins or bridesmaids. And Jesus gives us a value judgment on these ten. Five of them are wise. Five of them are foolish. The thing that distinguishes the foolish from the wise is the presence of oil. Let's pick up the story again in verse number five. Jesus goes on to tell us that as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and and slept. 
So as with any good story, there's always twists and turns in a good story, right? And so this story actually turns on this verse. Because here, unexpectedly, there's a delay. We're not sure why there's a delay. Maybe the house took too long. Maybe he lived too far away. Maybe he lost his plane ticket. I don't know. We don't know. Jesus doesn't tell us there's a delay. And as a result of the delay, these 10 bridesmaids fall asleep. Jesus doesn't make any value judgment about the sleeping. He just tells us that due to the delay, they fall asleep. But verse number 6, he says, At midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. What do you typically do at midnight, unless you're a teenager? The obvious answer, right? You sleep. Teenagers in my house tend to stay awake and chat all night. But, you know, uh, I'm asleep. These bridesmaids fall asleep. Typical thing to do. But at midnight, a sound goes out, a cry is heard. Here comes the bridegroom. And so the, the ladies wake up. They're drowsy from sleep. They wake up and they start getting ready because the object of their desire, the groom, is coming. And notice in verse number 7, Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. So here they are, they're waking up, they're drowsy, sleep is probably still in their eyes, but they get their lamps ready. It's midnight, it's dark, you need a lamp. So this lamp isn't the kind of lamp that you, know, you see in archaeological digs that's about the size of your palm. This is a torch. It sits on top of a stick. It's probably an oil-soaked rag. And depending on the size of that rag, can go from anywhere from 15 minutes to two hours. And after that, you've got to soak it in oil again to keep the lamp burning, to keep the torch burning, right? Without oil, the torch doesn't stay lit, right? We can understand that, right? Guess what? Here's where the distinction is made. The delay caused them to fall asleep, and it's at midnight the groom shows up, and everybody starts to wake up, and they start lighting the, the torch, and for the foolish women, the, the lamp lights, but only for a brief moment, because there's probably still some residual oil on that cloth. But as soon as that oil is used up, the lamp goes out. So what do you do when you have no more juice for your torch? You go ask somebody else, right? The five wise women have oil. Hey, can we borrow some oil? A nice Christian person would normally say what? Of course! We're loving people, right? If you didn't know that answer, that's what you should have said. <laughs> right? Make note. But that's not what happens in this story. They say, no, no. <laughs> No oil for you, because if we give you some oil, we're not going to have any for ourselves. Now you're saying, but that, that's rather selfish. Aren't, isn't that snooty? So here's the deal. When Jesus tells a story, he's telling a story for one reason. This story is not about generosity. This story is not about not being selfish, about being loving. It's none of that. This story is about being ready. And so there's nothing here to do with generosity or lack thereof. This is about being ready. The five foolish ladies were not ready. And so the five wise women say, no, we can't give you 
what we need, because if we give you some, we won't have enough ourselves, run down to the local Walmart, you're going to have to go buy some yourself. That's what they say. Not in those words, but that's essentially what they say. And so off they go, and while they're going, notice what happens in verse number 10. While they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Can you imagine how joyful and wonderful it was for those five who had the torch burning when the groom finally showed up, this person that they've been waiting for, they escort him through the process, and they finally end up at the groom's house where the celebration, the food, the festivities, the music, and everything else is. It's a happy, wonderful time. But at the end of that verse, there's one statement that says, and the door was shut. The door, door was shut. Notice verse number 11. Afterward, the other virgins, those foolish ones, came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Wow. These five ladies went to Walmart to go buy some oil. We don't know. The story doesn't tell us if they actually bought any oil. All right? We don't know if they got any oil in the first place. All we know is they tried to go get oil. They showed up late to the party. You never want to be late to this party, okay? They showed up late to the party, and guess what? They're on the outside looking in because the door is what again? Shut. We don't like shut doors, do we? We like doors open because we want to go in and out as often as possible. The only time we want the door shut is when we're on the inside. <laughs> we don't want the door shut if we're on the outside. The door is shut. They're on the outside looking in, and all they can do is say, Lord, Lord, open the door to us. And Jesus says something so terrifying. He says, I don't know you. I don't know you. And then in verse 13, he ends with the same encouragement and warning that he used in chapter 24, he says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. What is he talking about? We don't know the day nor the hour of his return. And so Jesus says, watch. Watch, another word for being ready. True disciples make provisions to go the distance. And this is the story. So let's unpack this story. I want to share with you three applications that we can draw for ourselves from this story. The first is that superficial discipleship will prove insufficient. Superficial discipleship will prove insufficient. So here we have in this story 10 women. All 10 look the same. They're all wearing the same bridesmaid outfits. They all have their hair made up. They all have a shiny lamp. They're all, they're all invited to the wedding. They're all at the right place at the right time. They're all there at midnight asleep. Everything about them says that they are identical until midnight. At midnight, everything changes. Because at midnight... Five of them, of them who have oil look very different than the five who do not. Isn't it interesting that, that in the, a room such as this, there are people sitting here who think that they're okay. That they prayed a prayer a long, long time ago. 
And as a result, they've got their passport stamped with fire insurance and they're okay. Some of you are sitting here and you think that once you've done it, you're done. You got nothing to worry about. When Jesus comes, I'm going home. But this story should make us sit up and take notice. Because this story tells us there's a whole lot to the Christian life than just saying a prayer a long, long, long time ago. It cannot be once upon a time I said a prayer. It's got to be more than that. For these ten virgins, five of them forgot something very, very crucial, and it was going to cost them. You know, this is a a story that really repeats itself over and over again in even our generation, even in this room. You know, there are people who entered last year into 2020 thinking that they were okay with God. They thought they had it made, that they thought they had a relationship with God. And then they entered 2020 and something that they weren't ready for smacked them upside the head. And they opened their eyes and they realized they were not ready. They were not ready. In fact, we have testimony after testimony of people who have come up and said, Look, we weren't ready. And God opened our eyes. Let me read just uh, two testimonies of people who, who wrote about the fact that they weren't ready, even though they thought they were ready. Here's what one of them writes. He said, I set my foot in a countless number of churches all over the world just to light a candle. But when I came to Woodside last year, it lighted me. The power of God enlightened me. And then he goes on to talk about how God set him free and gave him the freedom to experience Christ in a true and honest way. Here's what another person writes. This person says, I was raised to know God, but somewhere along the line, I got lost. For years, I lived as a good person, simply following the rules. Around high school, I noticed others thriving in a loving relationship with Jesus, whereas my experience with God was more like a giant taskmaster in the sky. So fast forward to the time when God intersects with his life last year, and he writes, in God's loving kindness, he laid bare my empty obedience brought me to my knees in repentance and forgave my prideful, idolatrous, self-righteous heart. He enveloped me in his presence and in his love. It's just two stories of many, of people who thought they had it right with God until last year, when they were struck with something they weren't ready for and they realized they're not ready. They don't have it right with God. They thought they were ready, but they were not really ready. Friends, you may be here this morning and You may think you've been okay, but the question is, are you really okay? Is Jesus truly Lord of your life? Have you truly asked him for for forgiveness, and truly is he sitting on the throne of your heart? Because if if he isn't, then you're like these foolish women who went to a party without oil, and ultimately the door was shut in their face, and Jesus says to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. It's amazing how there are so many people around the world who live with empty obedience and empty religion all the while thinking they're okay until something drastic happens in their life and they're confronted with the reality that they are not okay. Folks, before that happens to you, I hope and pray you'll come to the realization that Jesus is who he says he is. That our sins keep us from a holy God and that we need to make ourselves right with him and the only way to do that is to accept him by faith and live for him. Otherwise, what will happen is Jesus will say to us on that day, I don't know you. Those are words we don't want to hear. 
And yet there are words that we will hear if we are not right with God. Do you realize that those words, this is not the first time Jesus ever said those words? This is really the ending of a bookend because Jesus at the beginning of his ministry during the Sermon on the Mount, which happens in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, said something very similar. He said in Matthew chapter 7, these words, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Friends, those are gut-wrenching words. Those words should terrify us. So the question this morning that I want to leave with you is, does Jesus really know you? Does Jesus really know you? Friends, don't rest on the fact that someday, long, long, long time ago, you said some words, but you're not living that way today. Come to know him today. Rest in his word. Rest in his salvation. Rest in what he did for us on the cross. And when you do, he truly will know you. The second thing we learn from the story is that delays test us. That delays test us. Anybody here like delays? Nobody. I I have to confess, I hate to wait. We as a culture hate to wait. That's why we have fast foods and instant popcorn and an Instapot, for heaven's sake. Right? Throw it all in, press the button, walk away. It's done when, you know, whenever the timer goes off. We don't want to wait. We don't want our flights to be delayed. We don't want to be stuck in traffic. We don't like delays. And yet, Jesus tells his disciples, you're going to have to wait. Oh, gee, thanks, Lord. The thing I hate to do, you're telling me to wait. And that's what Jesus tells his disciples. That's what he tells us. There's going to be a delay between his ascension to heaven and his second coming. And in this gap, he tells us to do the one thing we hate, and that is to wait. Thanks, God. That's just what I needed. And yet, delays are designed to test us. They're meant to test us. You know, Delays really show us the truth of who we are. It showed this in this story that the delay of Jesus revealed the truth of who was wise and who was foolish. It's true even in our lives. I mean, just think back to the stories in our life where we weren't ready. I remember growing up, you know, we had a, a black and white TV. This was a long, long time ago. And, and we could only watch certain shows at certain times. That's all we were allowed to do. And so what did you think what ha- happened when mom and dad left the house? You know, you kind of bend the rule a little, right? And you turn the TV on and you watch what you want when you want. All the while listening for what? The garage door to open. Soon as the garage door opened, bam, the TV's off, the book's in your lap. We're perfect angels. Until the day when you're a little too glued to the TV. And the sound is a little too loud. And we didn't hear the garage door open. Oops. And then the door is opening, and then you're scrambling to turn the TV off and take the book, and, but it's too late. Mom and dad caught you, caught us. And there's kind of hell to pay, right, after that? <clears throat> we weren't ready. You know, you have stories like that, don't you? Where you weren't ready, where you were caught red-handed. Really, that, this kind of a story should cause us to pause and think about our spiritual life. Folks, Jesus is coming. It's true. He said he's coming, therefore he's coming. The question for us is, are we ready? Not that we're getting ready, 
but that we are ready. There's a vast world of difference between getting ready and being ready. Are we, in fact, ready? It's a question you have to answer yourself. You know, it's possible that, Lord, it's been 2,000 years. I mean, it's a long time ago that you said you're coming, and, and maybe our love has grown a little cold. Maybe it's been a long time since we accepted Christ as Savior, and maybe that kind of love that we had when we first accepted Him, maybe that's not quite as hot as it was back then. Maybe it's just been so long that the cares of this world and the pressures of life have really kind of overwhelmed us, and we're not quite on fire for God like we used to be. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, life happened. And yet Jesus says he's coming, and we don't know the hour or the day. And he says, watch and be ready. We can't afford to let our love grow cold. We can't afford to sit back and relax, hoping that we'll get ready when, when the day gets closer, because we don't know. Delays are meant to test our resolve. Are we willing to wait? Are we ready to wait? What will it look like five years from now? Will you have this same level of engagement with Jesus that you have today? What about 20 years from now? The question is, are you willing to wait and to wait ready? Folks, while we wait, Jesus doesn't call us to sit back in our lazy boy with a glass of lemonade or coffee and, and sit back and relax. He tells us to do something. He tells us to dig into his word. He tells us to keep on shining, keep on sharing, keep on living in obedience, doing what he called us to do. There's things to do. There's things to become. God wants us to become more like him. Those are things that we get to do and become while we wait for him. I hope and pray that you will be found faithful doing what God called you to do when he comes. The third thing we learn from this story is that preparation can't be borrowed. Preparation can't be borrowed. You know, when that midnight cry came, here comes the bridegroom. All ten woke up. All ten tried to light the lamps. But that's when the foolish five figured out they weren't ready. In fact, in verse number four of this passage, it seems to indicate that for the wise women in this group, the first thing they took was the oil. Then they took the lamp. You know why? Because just like a flashlight without batteries is useless, a torch without oil is useless. And so they take oil first and then the lamp. The foolish take the lamp because the lamp is obvious. The oil was not. And they went and at midnight, they realized their mistake, and they tried to borrow and plead for oil from everybody around them to all no avail. Folks, we can't allow, we can't borrow somebody else's preparation for our own. You see, when, when life is said and done, and our strength is gone, and everything has been said and done about our lives, and we stand before Jesus, the question he's gonna, that you and I are going to have to answer is, does Jesus know us? You can't stand before him and say, hey, Jesus, I went to that Woodside Romeo campus. You know, the best campus of them all. I went to Woodside Romeo. You know Romeo. I went there, right? You think that'll work? Jesus, you know my parents. They were godly people. They raised me right. They gave me a wonderful life. I mean, you know them. You got to know me, right? I'm so-and-so. No, Lord, 
I did a whole lot of stuff for you. I raised a whole lot of money for that campus. You know that building that they did? A lot of that, my money. I raised it. I did a lot of good things. I mean, you have to have a record. You got to know me. Lord, I'm a deacon and an elder. I've preached on Sundays. I've taught Sunday school. The next steps class, I built. You got to know me. None of that is going to help us when we stand before Christ. Not our father, not our mother, not our friend, not our neighbor, not the person sitting next to you today, not the person living in the house next door. When you and I stand before Jesus, we individually have to answer to Jesus for our faith or lack thereof. Because the question you and I will have to answer is, do you and I know Jesus? And does Jesus know us? If the answer is no, then Jesus will say, I never knew you. Folks, true disciples make provisions to go the distance. And on that day when Jesus asks us who we are and why he, he should let us into his kingdom, we can't rely on our moms or dads or somebody else's faith. We have to have our own faith. Folks, today the door is open. Today the door of salvation is wide open. You and I can go in and out of that door today. But there is coming a day when that door is closed. And there's two events that will close that door. Either it's the day that God calls you home. Or it's the day Jesus comes back to take us home. Either we leave this world one day in death. Or Jesus comes in his second coming. That's the day the door closes. Since you don't know when either of those days are. The question you have to answer today is, does Jesus know you? Does Jesus know you? Many of the friends that I knew, some of them, my cousins who entered 2020, didn't exit 2020. Suddenly, out of nowhere, something happened, a pandemic or something else, and they were called home. They didn't have another day. To answer the question, friends, you're here today, you're breathing today, you have an open door. While the door is open, can you answer the question, does Jesus know you? Does Jesus know you? It's not somebody else who can answer that question for you. You will have to answer that yourself. There's an old song that says, two men were walking up a hill, one disappears and one is left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come, and you've been left behind. Folks, don't let that happen to you. While the door is still open, I pray that you will take the invitation. Jesus doesn't want to tell you, I don't know you. What he wants to tell you is, welcome home, my son, my daughter. But in order for you to do that, you have to know that Jesus Christ left his heavenly home, and he came to this world to die on a cruel cross, to shed every last drop of his blood for you and for me, to give us a relationship with God that we didn't deserve. And friends, that starts with saying, Lord, I'm sorry for the mistakes I've made. I'm sorry for living this life of hypocrisy. I'm sorry for the sins I've committed. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me, and I ask you to come into my life and make me your child. And the Bible says the minute you do, you will be saved. But it doesn't stop there. Because you see, it's a start of a journey. 
It's a journey where God calls you to radical living, where he calls you to radical love and radical generosity and radical faithfulness and radical surrender. Because if you are a true child of God, he calls you to take up your cross and follow him, no matter where that leads. It might be a good place. It might be a bad place. It might even be to another cross. The question for you is, will you follow? And if the answer is yes, then he will on that day say, welcome home. If the answer is no, that door will be shut and you will have to hear, I never knew you. Friends, let it not be us. Today is the day. Now is the time. This is the place for you to come to know Jesus Christ by faith because the door is wide open. Friends, for all of you who are sitting here who do know Jesus Christ, I'm thankful for each and every one of you. But Jesus says, we're going to have to wait. And while we wait, let's be ready. Let's continue to dig into God's word. Let's continue to shine the light that God has given to us. There's an old song that I learned in Sunday school. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. Folks, that's what we are called to do. To take the light of his life and of his love and to shine it for the world to see. Carrying our cross, going where he called us to go, doing what he called us to do so that when he comes back for us, he finds us faithful in doing and being who he called us to be. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that no matter what happens, your word never fails. And the truth is, you're coming back for us one day. So Lord, as the day approaches and that door is still open today, we pray that those here who don't know you would walk through that door in faith. That they would say yes to you and no to themselves, to surrender their lives to you, to truly to take up their cross and to follow you. Father, for my brothers and sisters here who do know you, would you continue to encourage us with these words? Not that we would get ready, but that we would stay ready. So that we would be watching and waiting, doing what you've called us to do, being who you called us to be, sharing, shining, living and doing, living in obedience to your word and being faithful to all that you've called us to do. Would you empower us to do that? Give us that oil in our life and keep us burning. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and let's worship God together. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.